You know, there's a uh, business term. It's called uh, a feedback loop. And uh, it's, a, it's a system where employees and employers uh, get evaluated and they're given feedback on their job performance. If you think about it simply, it's just a, a time where uh, you can tell an employee or a team uh, the things that they've done well and also the things that they need to change for next time. Analysts point out that um, for feedback loops, they are not only important for companies, they're actually crucial for them to succeed. Um, if there's no feedback loop, then a company will think that it's doing well when it is inevitably not. If there's no feedback loop, then many companies think that they are going on an upward trajectory when actually on the inside they are simply falling apart. That's why when you look at a lot of companies like Apple or Google or Microsoft, they have really intricate, very well-placed feedback loop systems in place. But at the same time, you also see restaurants and stores and even churches that have these types of feedback loops. Now, what's interesting is that even though analysts point out that feedback, feedback loops are so important, so crucial to organizations, we rarely place them on an individual level. You know, how often do we actually like sit down with a friend and just ask them, hey, um, how, how am I as a friend to you? How can I be a better friend to you? Now, how many times have, have you been, have you, have you ever done that? Or maybe if you go to your family member and you say, um, how am I as, how, what can I improve on as a husband? Or what can I do better as a son or a daughter? You know, I even thought about uh, an evaluation time or a feedback loop as your pastor, right? As one of your pastors, maybe I come up to you individually and, and I ask you, you know, on a scale of uh, 1 to 10, how would you rate me as your pastor? 1 being very good and, and 10 being excellent. On a scale between, between that, would you, you know, where would you rate me, you know? Um, and I know that for a lot of us, Having this type of feedback loop sounds kind of strange, it sounds unusual, um, but I want to warn you that the danger of not having this type of feedback loop is that there will be times, many times, when we think that we are doing well when we're actually not. That when we don't have a feedback loop, when we don't have people speaking to us and, and counseling us and, and giving us ideas on what we can do better or what we are doing well in, then many times, especially spiritually, we are not doing as well as we really thought we were. You see, church, the reason I bring this up is because last week, we talked about the parable of the four soils. And I would argue, and I would think that for many of us, as we hear this sermon, as you heard that sermon about the four different soils, about this soil being a soil that's not good for hearing God's word. This soil is one that quickly disappears when bad things happen. And yet for the last soil, I bet for many of us, if not all of us, we think that we are that last soil. We think that we're the good soil. We think that we are the soil that once we hear God's word, that immediately we apply it and we're able to live a good Christian life. But the question is, how do we really know? You see, most of us don't have this personal feedback loop. 
Most of us don't have people that evaluate and give feedback on our spiritual lives. So how can we really tell what type of soil we are? How can we really tell what type of Christian we are? See, Jesus, he understood this type of mindset. He understood these types of people, including us, that may not have this type of feedback loop. And so therefore, right after the parable of the four soils, Jesus brings up this other parable about light. When you read it together at first, it sounds almost random. But what we're going to see is that Jesus is giving us a way to evaluate what type of Christian we are. See, Jesus, he gives us three ways that we can tell if we truly understand his word. Jesus gives us three ways in which we can tell if we truly believe in all that he's preached. And the first way is that if we are willing to share God to other people. Let me read to you verse 16. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. You see, there are two different types of light in this world. When we're born, we know about the physical light. This light allows us to see one another. This light allows us to do things. This light allows us to move around with confidence. But there is also another light, and it is much more important. And this light that is being spoken about in this passage is Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 8, 12, that Jesus is the light of the world. 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. And just as physical light dispels darkness, Jesus Christ is the only one who can dispel, who can destroy sin and death. That for us, in our times of hopelessness, in our times of despair, there is nothing and no one else other than Jesus Christ who is the true light of our lives. And he is the only one who can give us true hope who can give us a, a reason to live. It's because of him that we are able to be thankful in all circumstances. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and he is the light of our lives. See, church, this is why Jesus says that if you truly understand this truth, that there is still hope, even in the times of most hopelessness, that you are still able to be thankful, even in the times of most despair, that two things are going to happen for you. First, is that his followers who believe this will never walk in darkness. That means that for you, no matter what happens, you have the assurance of salvation. There may be times when you despair, but you will not be hopeless because you believe from the bottom of your heart what the Bible says, that there is nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of God. That you have that assurance in your life. No matter how terrible things may be, no matter how powerful the enemy may seem, God is stronger. God is greater. And so you can be thankful in that. But not only that, Jesus says that when you truly understand what he has done, that you will reflect his light. You see, church, we are commanded 
to be the light of his world by living a life that is pleasing to him and by sharing his word to others. This isn't something that happens some of the time. This isn't even something that happens 99% of the time. This is something that happens 100% of the time. That for you, you will move forward, that when you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord and what he has done for you, that you will share with other people what he has done. That if other people are living in hopelessness, that if other people are living in fear, that if other people are suffering in that way, that you have the light to show to others. That you are not going to hide it under a bed. That you are not going to be ashamed of it. But instead, you will share it with others. The Bible tells us that our lives are just a breath in the wind. That we are simply a mist that comes and goes. And the Bible tells us, what are you going to do with the time that you have here? The allotment that you have. As you get older, one thing you realize is, yeah, time goes by faster and faster and faster. How are you going to spend your time? I researched that the average life expectancy for men in the United States is, can you guess, 73 years old. That's not that long if you think about it. The average life expectancy for a woman is 79 years old. It's kind of messed up, you know? But at most, we'll have, if you average it out, 75 years to live, right? For us, church, as Christians, this is the only opportunity that we have to be the light to others. This is the only opportunity we have to make a difference. This is the only opportunity we have to really obey the words of Jesus Christ. And so what are you doing to be the light of this world? What are you doing to be a light to other people around you? God has given you people in your life for a reason. There is nothing that is done in your life by accident. There is no person that you have met by accident. There are no chance encounters. We believe as Christians that everything is a God encounter. And so how are you using your light to share to others? How are you using what God has given you the truth that God has shown you, the understanding that you have of what Jesus Christ has done to share to others? Or are you simply hiding it away? Are you simply think it's not that important so you're not sharing it with other people? Church, this is so vital to us as Christians that if you truly believe in him and what he has done in your life, then you will share the word with others. The second way we understand his word is by being faithful in what we have been given. Verse 17 says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. You see, light is essential for life. It allows plants to grow. It allows us to be healthy. But even though light is good, there is a sense in which spiritual light causes us discomfort. Because light not only illuminates the world and the people around us, but it also exposes the deepest parts of our heart. There is a quality of Jesus' teaching that goes into the deepest parts of our heart and reveals things that we would rather have hidden. 
There are things about what Jesus says. There's a quality that Jesus has that when he speaks in the Bible, that when he speaks in his sermons, that it speaks to us directly and personally and the things that we are struggling with. And for many of us, that is difficult for us to hear. For many of us, we'd rather not hear it at all. And so that's why many of us are unwilling to come to church. Many of us are unwilling to dive into the Bible. Many of us are unwilling to be connected into the community that God has given us because we know that it is uncomfortable because there are things that are going to be shown that we do not want to show to others. And yet what the Bible says is that if you understand God's word and what he has done for you, that you will be open and that you will desire to show those things out. For us as Christians, the greatest weapon that we have against the enemy is to repent. One of the greatest weapons that we have to fight Satan is to turn away from our sin and to run towards God. Satan desires, desires us to be hidden in our sin. He desires us to want to be under shame. He desires us to not want to be part of the community, to not be in God's word. And yet the greatest, one of the greatest things that you can do as a Christian is to ask God for forgiveness, to turn from your sin, and to go in the other direction. Be like Joseph when he confronts the Potiphar's wife. Be like King David, that when he's confronted with his sin, he weeps and he turns away. Church, what is the condition of your heart? In what areas of your life has God exposed sin? Have you truly repented of that? I ask for you in this time that if you have not, this is God's way of speaking to you. Repent now. Repent today. Go. Stop running away from him. Turn and come back. This is one of the ways that you will understand if you are good soil. This is one of the ways that you will understand if you are a faithful Christian to the Lord. And I know that us saying these things, we, we think of the hidden things as, as something more negative, but I also want to tell you that God seeing the hidden things is also something really great. Verse 18, it says, Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. I mean, one interesting thing is that when you read the Bible and when you compare it to the world, you'll see that God does not value the things that the world values. The things that captivate us, the things that we find so enthralling, is not even on God's radar. He's not impressed by beauty or intelligence or ability. You see, the Bible says that God values one thing, faithfulness. How faithful are you to the Lord? How faithful are you to what God has placed in your life? How faithful are you with the talents that God has given you, with the garden that he has placed within you? How faithful are you working that land? Colossians 3.23, it says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. What does that mean? What does it mean to work heartily? It means to work with your whole heart. It means to not have an, a divided heart. 
It means that when you're working, when you're giving, when you're pouring out, that you're going to give all of yourself to the Lord. You're going to give all of yourself to what God has placed in your life. You know, people come to me and they ask me, Pastor Danny, like, I'm looking for a new job. I'm, I'm not satisfied where I am, and, and I don't really want to be where I, what I'm doing. And I say, that's fine. You know, I, there's nothing wrong with looking for a new job. There's nothing wrong with looking for a better job. There's nothing wrong with wanting to move to another location. But what the Bible says is a sin, is that there's nothing wrong with looking for those things, but it is a sin if your heart is so divided that you are not doing your work well today when you're so focused on the work that you could be doing tomorrow. You see, being a good steward means that you are focused on what God has given you in your season of life right now. A faithful husband is one that has an undivided heart towards his wife. A faithful employee is one that has an undivided heart towards his work. A faithful Christian is one that has an undivided heart towards God. Are you being faithful with what God has placed in your life today? Are you doing your best with your family, with your work, with, with the things in your life at this moment? If you are, then God is pleased with how you are working. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And here's the thing. When you are faithful towards God and the things that he has placed in your life, then you will be rewarded with more of him. You see, the simple truth of faith is that the more you put in, the more you get out. And at the same time, the less you put in, the less you get out. It says here, take care then how ye hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. You see, church, the more you desire to know God and his word, the more he's going to show you. The Bible says this. It says, the more you knock, the more you seek, the more you will find. And yet at the same time, it's also true that the less you try to seek after the Lord, the less committed you are, the more divided your heart is, the less you will know of the Lord. Do you know the number one reason most Christians get so little out of church? They don't prepare for it. They'll stay up too late. They'll be too tired. They don't ask God to work in their hearts beforehand. They rush in and just sit down and then they, they just come in during worship or maybe a, a minute beforehand. They kind of just think about other things or, or they're doing whatever. And then they immediately rush out and they think to themselves as they're walking away, I didn't get anything out of this again. Church, what do you expect? What do we expect if we don't put anything in? All of this is not about what we can get out. It's about our growth as Christians. It's about learning something about God and growing closer to him. What's one thing God has spoken to you in this week? What is one thing God has spoken to you in your time here? When was the last time that you've come here early and prayed and asked the Lord that he would speak to you? When was the last time that you thought the night before saying, God, I want to prepare my heart for worship because I desire to hear your voice and what you want me to hear today? So God, would you allow me to sleep well because tomorrow I am in anticipation for what you're going to do? There's not many Christians who do that. 
But I guarantee you that if you make that a habit, God will speak clearly into your life. It says that here. For to the one who has more will be given. Knock and you will find. Seek and I will answer. He will be there. So go before the Lord. Prepare your heart. Ask him. And the more you seek, the more you will find. And we're not even talking about just Sunday service. I'm I'm imploring you. I'm telling you, this is about devotions. This is about your quiet time. This is about your prayer life. I'm asking you to take your time. Don't rush those things. It takes time to understand God's word. It takes time to really meditate upon him. I know the world tells us that we have to do everything so quickly, that there are a million things that we need to do. But the one thing, the one place that we can take our time is in the word of God. You know, there's a story of a famous botanist named uh, Dr. Carl Scharsmith. He spent over 50 years as a guide in Yosemite, the national park. He would say again and again um, that every year uh, he would find new trails and new things that he would learn about the park. He loved being in that place. He said every single day that he would walk for the past 50 years that there was something new there, something that he never thought about, something that he had never learned before. One afternoon as he was there, one woman stopped him and asked, "Uh, I've only got an hour to spend at Yosemite. Uh, What should I do and where should I go? Dr. Sharsmith, he took a couple seconds to think about that and and replied, man, if I, I... If I only had an hour to spend at Yosemite, I would just walk over there by the river and sit down and cry. (laughs) See, church, I'm trying to say this because if this one man could find a new facet, a new point, a new characteristic about a national park after 50 years, how much more for us is there to discover about the character of our infinite God? How much more is there to know about the God who has given us everything, about the God who has no beginning, about the God who has no end, about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? What a wonderful thing to know, to have a personal relationship with him. We have that opportunity every single day. And yet for so many of us, we are so rushed by the busyness of life, by things that do not matter in the eternal perspective, and we're willing to spend so much time in those things and give up the things that are most important. Spend time in things that are going to last forever. Don't be rushed. Take your time. Be faithful to God and put in the work. And the Bible promises that you will receive as much as you put in. Lastly, The way we understand God's word is by having the right priorities. After Jesus teaches about the light, about this parable, he says in verse 21, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. You see, Jesus is making a very simple but very powerful point that God must come above everything else in our lives. That he has to be the priority. Look, for many of us, we understand this when it comes to bad priorities. 
I don't have to scratch my head and wonder, okay, if, if drugs and alcohol and smoking is, is higher than God, is that a bad thing or a good thing? I, that's not something we have to really ponder about. But for many of us, it does become an issue when there are good things in our lives that become greater than God. And I'm talking about things that Jesus points out here, our families, our friends, our work. Those things are good. Those things are blessing. Those things are things that God has given us. And yet at the same time, what Jesus is pointing out is that if those things take a priority over the Lord, there is something wrong with your spiritual life. If those things are priority over your relationship with God, then you do not truly understand God's word. If those things are greater than the Lord, then you are not a true disciple of his. For us as Christians, yes, we pour out and we pour into our workplaces, into our families, and into our friendships. And yet at the same time, we put God as a priority. And we trust that God is going to be the one who takes care of our families. We believe that God is going to be the one who takes care of our workplaces. He is going to be the one who takes care of all of these other things. And that is why even in our seasons of life, when there are highs and when there are lows, we are still able to be stable. We are still able to be consistent. We are still able to be thankful in all circumstances because God is the priority of our lives. Even if work is taken away from us, we're okay because God is still there. Even if our family member dies, we're okay because God is still there. We are still able to be consistent. We are still able to pray and to be thankful because God is the priority. Okay? I just want to end with this one last point. Where should we apply this most? Jesus actually gives us kind of a hint towards that. In verse 16, it says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. Why would he use those two, two places specifically? Well, scholars point out that a jar back then was considered a work tool. It was something that you would put your work things into. People would make products and put their goods in the jar, or they would store them in a jar. And therefore, one of the places that you are truly called to be the light of the world is in your workplace. When you think about your coworkers, when you think about the people that you are working with, your employees or your employer, how are you being the light of the world to them? We are called to be the most ethical. We are called to be the hardest working. We are called to have an attitude and a language that is different from those who live in the darkness. How are you being a light to those around you in your workplaces? And at the same time, what we also see is that no one after lighting a lamp covers it and puts it under a bed. The bed symbolizes the home. It is a place where you are most comfortable, where you are most relaxed. In those places, with your parents, with your children, with your brothers and sisters, are you still reflecting God's glory? Or do you put on a facade, do you put on a mask with everyone else, but then when you come into your home place, into your home, is that the place where you end up being the most sinful? Are you a light in the way that you speak to your spouse, to your parents, and to your children? My church, God has given us our schools and our families and our workplaces for a reason, and that reason is to be a light to others. 
I hope that for us as a church, as Shining Star Community Church, that we would take God's light, truly understand it, and apply it to be the light to others. Amen? Yeah, let's pray.